Good morning, everyone. And welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, July 23rd. Today we're reading from our big book. We're in the forward to the second edition. We're on page XVI, the last paragraph. The reference number, the share code number for Friday's meeting, Friday's meeting that was presented on July 20th, that share code 2724, 2724. And the share code for the speaker's meeting, which was presented on Sunday, July 22nd, Marsha, that share code number is 2754, 2754. Our readers for today, thank you very much, everyone, Fran, Katie, Penny E., and Carol P. And our OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Susan S. to read the 12 steps. Susan, please press star 1 to unmute. Thanks. I was talking to myself. This is Susan, Florida. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons who had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. 
11 sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaim, what an order I cannot go through it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And I will now call on Mindy to read the 12 traditions. Yes, Mindy, compulsive over eater. <clears throat> Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal victory, personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting their groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, An AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much, Mindy. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. 
to share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Good morning once again. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today we're going to resume our study of the forward to the second edition. We are on page XVI, the last paragraph. want to tell everybody once again the share code for the meeting that was presented on Friday, July 20th, 2724. Share code for Friday, 2724. And the share code for the speakers meeting, Marsha's uh, spoke yesterday, July 22nd, that share code 2754, 2754. Our readers today, Fran, Katie, Penny E, and Carol P. And I ask Fran to begin. Thank you, Fran. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, um, compulsive overeaters. Um, this is Fran, and uh, we have we're doing the last paragraph. This physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. But when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never before been able to muster. He sobered, never to drink again, up to the moment of his death in 1950. This seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. It also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. And I pass. Thank you, Fran. Would anyone like to comment on what was read? This is Janice. Please go ahead, Janice. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. This physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means, it tells us. You know, here in the forward to the second edition, we're getting a glimpse of what we're going to hear about here in this book, of what happened between Bill Wilson and Bob Smith. And in this paragraph, we're they're giving us a little tiny bit of background that we'll hear in Dr. Bob's story later in the book about his attempts to get sober. He had tried to get sober, and he had tried spiritual means. He had tried and tried to no avail. He had failed. But when Bill Wilson visited him and gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of the allergy of the body, of the physiological allergy of the body, that affected him when he picked up alcohol, plus this idea of Bill Wilson's, of the spiritual remedy, together those things turned the tide. Those things together were what was going to continue and become Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, Bill Wilson went there to get sober himself, to stay sober himself, and yet what was born was this idea that strenuous work with another alcoholic, plus the idea that one alcoholic could relate to another alcoholic like no one else had been able to before. You know, and that's what we're doing here, I believe, in our meeting on this line, carrying this message, 
carrying this message, one compulsive overeater to another, in a way that no one else can. You know, what a beautiful thing this is to hear that Dr. Bob then sobered up and never had to take another drink again up until the moment of his death. Lived a sober life, a spiritual life. And that's possible for us as well using this same method, using this same method. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else would like to comment on what was read? This is Paula. May I share? Paula, of course. Thank you. No, on that first line, the physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means. So he did ask God, and it said repeatedly, over and over again, to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. We all know that. We all know about failures. But then it puts that beautiful word, but when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, now here again, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy. Something was different this time. He had the other piece of the puzzle. Did you ever put a puzzle together and you just can't, where is that other piece? And it had fallen on the floor. And you pick it up and you put it there and you go, oh, it fits. It's the right piece. Now the puzzle is complete. But that part, to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never had before been able to muster. And what does to muster mean? It means to bring together, to collect as troops, as an assembly. There it was. It finally came together. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else? Hi, Leah. This is Penny E. Go ahead, Penny. Good morning. Penny E., uh, recovered compulsive overeater. I'm looking at two words here, uh, strenuous and permanent. Um, It's like a recipe, you know, for us compulsive overeaters. If we're cooking something and we miss one ingredient, we're not going to get the result that we want. And the result that we want is permanent recovery. That's so hopeful, so hopeful. I don't ever have to take another compulsive bite permanent. And the uh, part of the recipe, if you'll pardon the expression, um, is strenuous work with another alcoholic, strenuous. It doesn't say, you know, when we have a little extra time and, you know, if it, if it uh, works into our schedules, strenuous work. Um, those, that's, that's the instructions. And um, I think that Bill, I know that Bill wrote this so that we would know how to do it. Clear-cut instructions. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Penny E. Anyone else on what was read? It's Monica. Monica, your turn. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a compulsive overeater. And and I was, uh, the word that was jumping out at me here this morning, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady, his illness, with a willingness he had never before been able to munster. And like was so elegantly said a little bit ago, how the pieces were brought together here for both, for Dr. Silkworth after Bill talked with him and explained the um, disease of alcoholism, of its 
physical component, the allergy of the body, that whenever he drank any alcohol, it would set this off. And it's hopelessness. Well, he was very aware of that and how many times he had tried to get sober and couldn't do it. So, like it was said, the pieces of the puzzle came together here for him because he had tried the spiritual aspect before. He'd been a member of the Oxford group. And here, the pieces have come together and now he has a willingness, a willingness that he had never had before, a willingness to do whatever he needed to do, and willingness is the key. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. I'll jump in here. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, this physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. But when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the phys- physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never before been able to muster. You know, that, that is what we do. Uh, that's the way the big book is written. You know, we give him the bad news first. We create a crisis. Essentially what, what Bill W. is doing in his skill of sponsorship here Um, which had improved, you know, the skill had improved for him. Now he knows, don't just go over and grab a guy from the shirt collar off the bar stool and start talking spiritual principles. Give him the bad news first. Create a crisis. Tell him that they're doomed. Tell him about alcoholism and its hopelessness. Crack those tough egos. Deflate them. And how do we do that? We do that. Bill did that by describing the allergy of the body, that phenomenon of craving that uh, condemns a person, an alcoholic, to continue drinking. Tell them about the obsession of the mind, the greater aspect of the disease. Give them that hard news about the obsession that condemns them to drink and the physical sensitivity or the allergy of the body that condemns them to go on to be, you know, to the gates of insanity or death if they keep on drinking. Give them the bad news first. Beat them into a submission. You know, uh, give them, talk about the delusion that we're like other people. Uh, That's a delusion, and that has to be smashed. And once that's done, then the prospect is more receptive to the spiritual solution, and that's exactly the sequence that the big book is written in. The big book describes the allergy of the body, in the doctor's opinion. The big book describes the fact that the obsession of the mind is the greater aspect of the disease. The big book describes the spiritual solution. And then the big book gives clear-cut outline of what the program of action contains. And that's exactly what Bill W. offered Dr. Bob. And it says here, this bottom uh, sentence, this seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. Well, isn't that the truth? Because a recovered alcoholic, those who have had a spiritual awakening, have a unique experience. They know more about recovery from alcoholism than anybody alive because they're the only people that have done it. God has equipped them with some very, very unique knowledge. And that very, very unique knowledge helps a very unique group of human beings, other alcoholics. And it's the same 
for recovered compulsive overeaters. We carry a message of depth and weight because we're properly armed with facts about ourselves, and that's exactly what's happening here. This seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. That's possible because Bill W. was able to win the confidence of Dr. Bob. He was able to win the confidence of Dr. Bob because he had been in that same quicksand. He had been in that same quicksand, and he could easily earn the trust and the ear and the soul of Dr. Bob. And with that, I pass. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Hi, this is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Leia. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. I'm going to pick up on this first sentence. This physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. And that's been said. Bob, I mean, Bill did not bring the spiritual solution to Bob. You know, he was a member of that Oxford group, so he was trying to implement the solution without knowing the problem. And this is a textbook, and what often we do in OA is when a newcomer comes in the room, we say, let's go to Chapter 5. Let's go to how it works. We'll tell them about this program of recovery. And that's like taking a child, bringing him to a math textbook and opening up the chapter 5 in calculus and saying, okay, kid, do calculus. I know you don't know how to add and subtract yet, but there's, it's numbers. It'll work. Just do calculus. So even though Bob had the, the program of action, because he didn't understand the problem, he couldn't implement it. And that's what we often do in the rooms. And the other analogy I like to use is we have to know what tool we're using. You know, if we don't have the foundation of knowing the problem, the tool that we're trying to implement to solve the problem isn't going to work. So, for example, if you have a, a screw and it's a flathead screw, and you take a Phillips screwdriver and you try to screw that in, it doesn't work, and it's so frustrating. And it's a screwdriver. It should work. It should work, but it's not the proper tool. So that's why we have to get down to the foundation. The foundation is if we are a compulsive overeater, if we have the allergy to the body and the obsession of the mind, we need to admit we're powerless. We have to know that there's a power greater than ourselves that can help us. We then make the decision and go into the plan of action. But if we are not a compulsive over it, if you're on this line and you do not have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, there's really no reason to even try this program. And that was a hard truth that, Dr. that Bob had to learn, was that all the knowledge that he had, since he didn't understand the problem, implementing the solution was repeatedly, repeatedly failing with him. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Kim. We'll now move on to the next paragraph. Katie, please. This is Katie at Compulsive Overeater. Hence, the two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of the Akron City Hospital. Their very first case, a desperate one, recovered immediately and became AA number three. He never had another drink. This work at Akron continued through the summer of 1935. There were many failures, but there was an occasional heartening success. When the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1935, the first AA group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time. And this is just such a beautiful thing to read and to 
to realize that they shared and shared and shared with people and not everybody said, oh, I want this thing. Oh, I'm going to recover. Oh, I want to do this. And I think for me, I can think that because I'm sharing my program, if people don't want it, I think I need to change the message. Oh, maybe it's too hard. Maybe I'm being too uh, strict. Maybe, you know, maybe they don't need to do it the way I do it. Well, that's not, that's not the way this program works. This program works for people who, as someone shared yesterday, who will do it, who are ready to do it, who are ready to take action. And my job is to stay sober for myself is to keep sharing this same message. I can't change the message. I can't change what has to happen. People have to be ready, willing, and just on their way to recover. And I cannot make someone be at that point. I can bring the information to them, but I cannot make someone be at that point. My job is to continue to share this program so that I will stay in recovery. It is not about 